Hello and welcome back to the Cisco UKI podcast, the podcast where we take the acronyms out of tech and we put the fun in. You're tuned in to one of our monthly Tech Talk episodes, a spin-off from our main podcast where we deep dive into an area of technology with some of our favourite Cisco experts. In this month's Tech Talk, we're exploring Cisco DNA spaces. Tina, welcome to the Cisco UKI podcast and thanks so much for joining us for this month's Tech Talk, our very first Tech Talk. Um, So we want to start all of our Tech Talks, Tina, with a lightning round introduction. So here goes. Name. Tina Gunderson. Job title. Global Director for DNA Spaces. Length of time you've been at Cisco. Uh, about 14 years, but I left and joined a startup and then came back in with the acquisition. Speciality subject? DNA spaces, of course. Favourite thing about your job? Genuinely, it's the people I work with. We have such a great team culture. Uh, and I also really love the fact that I have the ability to mentor more women into engineering roles. And the piece of technology that you could not live without? Everything. <laughs> I'm generally I'm, I'm a geek I have every single bit of consumer tech that you can think of um, I live in a 300 year old thatched cottage and it is fully IOT powered up my mother-in-law comes to stay and she doesn't understand that she can't use the light switches anymore so uh, yeah every, every bit of tech I am a massive consumer of tech well but we'll let you away with that one we'll let you away with it Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We actually, before we start though, you're joining us for this Tech Talk on the month that we have celebrated International Women's Day with our main podcast earlier this month. And I've heard some rumours that you you have a great team, an all-female team, is that right? The engineering team, absolutely. Yeah, all-female. And that's that's really rare in this industry. Um, And, uh, you know, there's some amazing talent in that team and, and, you know, we want to make a big deal out of that. No, for sure. We just wanted to pick up on it. Yeah, and we've talked about mentoring and um, kind of help navigate younger talent within the business. And, you know, you touched on it in your introduction that you love to help mentor and um, empower female talent within the business. So it's, you know, great to see you've got an all-female team off the back of International Women's Day. Yeah, I mean, look, when I started um, back in 2007, I was one of two female engineers in around about a team of 100 people. I mean, the ratios, uh, you know, they're kind of crazy. And things are improving, but they haven't improved enough. Uh, and, and you know, the more that we can we can get to a point where there are role models, the more women are seeing that it's possible. And, and you know, we're, we're really flipping those ratios and it's, it's, it's happening, which is great to see. Uh, the more, the merrier. Well, we're glad to hear it. By the way, let's deep dive into DNA spaces. So the idea behind our monthly tech talks is to have a 30-minute session with a specialist at Cisco who can basically pitch to us what their technology is and why it's the best thing about Cisco. So we want to hear all about DNA spaces. So as you may or may not know, I'm a collaboration specialist here at Cisco. Rosie is an account manager, so portfolio seller. So we kind of are, well, I'm pretty siloed in collaboration. And the more that I kind of start to realise all this amazing tech that we have at Cisco, I just want to share it with everyone else. So we kind of thought it'd be beneficial, Rosie and I, to just have experts on. You can come and tell us all about your areas of speciality. So please kick off by just telling us a kind of brief intro. Like what is DNA spaces? What does it mean? What do we use okay. it for? Well, I, th- I think the great thing about spaces is that we are breaking down those silos. 
Uh, and we're starting to bring solutions to play that bridge across a lot of the different things that Cisco does. So, you know, if, if we if we start to talk about um, one of the big things that's happening in the world around hybrid working uh, and going back into that office, we're releasing some technology where DNA Spaces is the cloud software that pulls lots of bits of Cisco together. And collaboration and WebEx endpoints is a really key uh, piece of, of, of that offering there. So, uh, so collect, you know, there's, we're going to be working closer together from a collab perspective with Spaces. Um, and then, you know, from a, from a general seller perspective, Rosie, like, it, you know, the ability for Spaces as a piece of software to allow you to then stitch in all of these different parts of Cisco across the entire portfolio to create a really holistic so- solution is exactly what we're chasing down. So, you know, I think, the power of being a cloud software platform gives us a huge amount of agility to create you know, new up and coming and innovative type solutions and to address things that are happening in the market. I mean, I remember um, when you know COVID first hit and we were starting to think about, well, you know, how do we how do we react to this from a, a technology perspective? What are what are the kinds of things that are happening in the environment that technology could address? And one of those was understanding the threshold or the density of people in a space or a room or a building, because we understood that we couldn't have as many people in those buildings or rooms as we could before, you know, for all of the reasons around the pandemic. And so if you know, a technology could help to count that, then that would be of huge value to you know, our customers. And so what Spaces does is grab data from existing Wi-Fi networks, as an example, and uses that Wi-Fi data so we can count the number of people in the building. There you go, bit of value. We can now start to understand in real time, you know, what the density of people that are in the building. Um, and then we sort of figured, well, hang on a second. If we can measure that, what if we could do something about it as well? So set a level to say at a threshold of, you know, fifty percent capacity. Now you can notify. You know, the security staff to say, okay, look, we're starting to fill up 50% capacity of this building now is probably more than we're comfortable with in the in pandemic times. Uh, potentially now let's open up another part of the building or let's start to try to move people around a little more for, for their own safety. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we developed uh, tools around being able to trigger those sorts of notifications using you know, email or SMS or maybe triggering another system that existed uh, that they operate their buildings with. So, it, it, it's really great, you know, if you can look at, at what the environment is is bringing uh, and from a software perspective, we can tool up all of these capabilities and then leverage what customers already have, like the Wi-Fi network. Um, and, you know, as I sort of alluded to before, Colette, the new capability around hybrid work, we're calling this Cisco Smart Workspaces, is an ability to not just grab data from Wi-Fi, but to grab data from switches, from sensors, that Cisco has around the place and also those WebEx endpoints, bring all of that stuff together and then create an interface on the WebEx boards as you walk into, say, the foyer or the reception of your office where you can see a really compelling 3D rich map and understand, hey, the air quality in the space is looking good um, and the temperature is this, the humidity is this, the things that you might be interested in there. You can see occupancy of different meeting rooms. You can see where... Lots of people are gathered, and perhaps if you want some quiet time, maybe you choose the other end of the building to avoid you know, that gathering of people so that you're informed through technology to be able to choose what's right for you and your work environment 
and maybe even pre-book spaces as well uh, so that you know that that space is allocated for you. So that's just a little bit of a preview into what's coming. Yeah, and there's so many different use cases, as you kind of alluded to in, in that brief summary, whether that's, you know, like the crowd monitoring piece and, you know, if you were at a stadium or a, a um, concert venue and kind of redirecting people to different entrances and the hybrid work about going actually into the office. And um, and the interesting thing that I think is, as well is that um, indoor air quality piece, because that's going to be huge over, you know, post-pandemic times when we're all a bit more conscious about the air we're breathing in. Uh, because I would definitely want to know that. But it's also so useful for businesses to be able to see that kind of report and see where, you know, where rooms are getting utilised more, because that's another feature that you can have within DNA spaces, isn't it, around um, utilisation of rooms and um, how often they get used. Yeah, real-time occupancy. I mean, those WebEx endpoints have a camera in them. And when you're in a conference room, they're able to count very accurately the number of people in the conference room. So we'll take that data and display on the map that that, uh, that, that room is, is, is noted as red because it's occupied. We could even say how many people are in it. We could, we could alert the folk in the room to say, you're past the threshold that's safe within the room. You know, please, you know, clear out. You're one too many in the room. Uh, you need to find a bigger room, that sort of thing. So yeah, there's a ton of use cases. And to your point about air quality, You'll even see governments around the world that are starting to release billions of dollars or pounds, um, depending on what currency we're talking here. We we should sell in a, a global market um, of funding for particularly education and schools to say that all schools now need to have the ability to monitor CO2 levels in the classroom because we understand that there is a relationship with a certain threshold of CO2 levels in the classroom and an increased propensity to transmit COVID-19 or, and or other you know, airborne illnesses. Uh, so that's becoming a rule and a regulation and something the governments are funding around the world. And again, you know, where we have Cisco customers that have Cisco Wi-Fi access points, there's a, there's a new access point called the 9136. Here you go. I'm talking about some tech. Um, and those access points have some sensors in them, one of them being air quality sensor. Um, and uh, from you know, the Meraki side of the house, we also have MT sensors and they do a similar type of thing. So you know, we're very well set up for Cisco customers to leverage the existing deployment that they have to then use DNA spaces just to turn these use cases on. Yeah, and you talk about the WebEx devices and I think that's something that I think blows a lot of minds for people, like especially like our customers. When I start talking about our devices, I'm like, it's not just video. There's so much, and I always call it the magic within the, these devices, the sensors, the technology within our devices. And I guess like it kind of leads on to my next question for you. But I found that like obviously now when we talk about hybrid workplace and collaboration and we're going to talk to our customers about the need to have video enabled offices because people are going to be joining remote. Well, I think the stat is something like 90 or 98% of every meeting will have a remote participant. So if you're off in 6.4%, I think it is, of office spaces are video equipped. So, I mean, it's just mind blowing the amount of offices that won't even have a video in them. So we talk about that. But where I'm going with it is that the conversations we used to have in collaboration would have been with a specific type of person within the end customer. So it might have been the IT people or, but actually the, the technology within our devices and touching on all the spaces stuff, we're actually now engaging so many different stakeholders. So we now engage facilities mm -hmm. management. We engage HR because 
HR can now look and see which type of rooms are being utilised. Are we actually having people in conference rooms anymore or do people more prefer a huddle room or how many people are actually coming back to the office if they're given the option? And are you finding that because of the pandemic, like that's where, are you now engaging all different types of people within our like end customers? And has the pandemic obviously changed that? Yeah, I mean, Spaces has always addressed more business-oriented outcomes. Um, but, but yeah, I'm definitely seeing that, that that's increasing. And, you know, IT is very easily sponsoring us through into those business conversations with facilities as well. Um, so, yeah, by, by all means, that's happening. I think you kind of hit on an interesting point there in terms of understanding, you know, how people are using buildings and spaces. Well, that's, that's kind of the next thing, I think. It, once we have... You know, all this tech that's, you know, in the buildings and that WebEx endpoint can give us all this data about, you know, occupancy and, you know, air quality, temperature, humidity, like whatever. I mean, I remember, um, a, a, you know, talking to a customer about the fact that, you know, the 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 common areas are heated to a certain level, but, you know, this particular person just prefers to like a colder room and you can literally click around the rooms and find the room that best suits you in terms of temperature, right? So, um, but... Back to how we use a building and how that should change. One of the things that was really interesting at the start of the pandemic is that all of our office buildings, suddenly all the people left. We just vacated all the buildings. But the power levels in those buildings stayed exactly the same. So if you think about that, it's kind of problematic. Surely, you know, in this day and age, we should have our buildings powered based on the levels of occupancy in that building. And that's one of the core things that DNA Spaces brings is the metric of occupancy. So if we have a conversation with our customers and say, look, now that you understand occupancy, because Spaces is showing you that in real time, why don't we correlate that with power usage of the building and see if that's trending? So at 50% occupancy, there should be a significant drop in power usage. It won't be entirely 50%. There'll be a baseline, but there should be a drop. But we should track with occupancy. And if that's not happening, then there's some fairly simple things that we can do to you know, adjust the way that that building operates. So simply by dropping the fan speed of the heating and ventilation system in an area of the building where people aren't, like there's low occupancy, can save 5 to 7% of energy usage in that entire building. I mean, that's a significant amount of power savings. So like, Suddenly now we're having a sustainability conversation because we're gathering all this data and all these metrics. We're, you know, we're changing that conversation up. So to your point, yeah, facilities we're talking to, but now we're starting to talk to the CFO and the chief operating officer because we're saving power and we're addressing the sustainability goals. In fact, if we were able to, in real time, adjust the way we use the building, so let's say we're pre-booking spaces and we know we're going to have about 20% capacity today in a building. And we open up floor, the first two floors uh, and that's great. And then, you know, some more bookings come in and then we'll open up the third floor, right? So no longer does that person who had the office on the 10th floor have that office because we need to be more agile and flexible about the way we use space. Uh, and, and so by proportionally allocating that space out, that means we don't need to ventilate all those other floors. And the projections are we could say something like 22% of total power usage for that entire building. Imagine that at scale, if you know a company has a hundred or a thousand buildings around the world and we're saving 22% of their total power bill on the buildings. I mean, it's mind-boggling stuff. 
So, yeah, not only are we talking to lines of business facilities and so on, we're actually at the CEO's desk having a conversation about 22% power savings. Because we're, for the first time, putting all these sensors, we're gathering data, and we're able to you know, measure the way buildings are used in real time. And, and it's, it's that visibility of data that allows us to start on those kind of conversations. That's amazing. I wish everyone could actually see Colette's face with what she just had because her mouth wasn't actually open. <laughs> but, um, no, but my mind is blown by. And I think, especially right now, I mean, everything we're talking about in the UK, at least, and I mean, everywhere else, is the cost of fuel. Like, and mm-hmm. the fact that we, the energy costs that we're all going to, it's going to affect all of us. So, I mean, we talk about return on investment for technology and sometimes some technology is harder to justify than others. But if you've got return on investment that not only is a good return from a sustainability point of view, but also a cost point of view, like that's just, that's amazing, surely for businesses. But yeah, you're right. And I think also an experiential like- <laughs> point of view for the staff as well. I mean, that's kind of the key thing. If we don't create a good experience for staff to get back into the office, staff aren't once going to come back. You know, there's 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 quite a lot of stats out there. Uh, something like 85% of employees want to know the air quality in their office buildings. And, and you know, we know how many offices show that data. And again, that's why we're bringing out Cisco Smart Workspaces, because that's just a, a key metric that people want to understand. Is it 96% of people say that they need smart and intelligent technologies in the office place to be more productive. I mean, employees are asking for this stuff. So, you know, it's a... Uh, it's definitely something where, you know, the data speaks for itself and, and people are telling us that we need this and we need to catch up very quickly. Yeah, but it also allows people to feel more comfortable to go back into the office spaces, as you were saying, like, exactly. you know, people are a lot more conscious around COVID. And so, you know, with spaces, you'd be able to choose the workspaces that are going to make you feel comfortable. If you don't want to be around as many people, you can choose a different space that's going to suit you. So, um, but no, it's so interesting to hear about the sustainability piece because are you having like a lot of conversations around helping people get to that net zero standpoint from, from their businesses and, and utilizing DNA spaces? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's um, it's a naturally evolving conversation. And, and you know, Rosie, as a portfolio seller, it's, it's just it's one of those conversations that can go in so many directions um, and that customers are genuinely interested in. And genuinely asking Cisco for help to figure out where to address them and, and where to start as well. So, you know, we're doing some great things from, you know, from, from our demand side. We're making our hardware more efficient and, you know, power supplies, um, uh, you know, they draw less energy based, compared to the, the amount of data they put out and all of those great things. And that's absolutely needed. But, you know, when you have the, the opportunity to sort of bridge past you know, the IT sort of power draw, which is probably less than 10% in most buildings, to address the entire you know, power usage of that building, it, you know, it, it is exciting and, it, and it, it opens up a lot more conversations. And I think that whole smart building conversation that we've been talking about probably for about the last decade, it just hasn't seemed tangible. And I think now sustainability is the reason that it's going to become tangible. And that's you know, opportunity for smart buildings is going to open up and people are going to understand you know, the potential impact of being able to you know, get a building out the sensors and, and deliver these experiences and, you know, understand what's going on. It's it's more important than ever. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, customers are coming to us for help and, you know, I, 
if if a customer is listening to this or a partner and they just don't know where to start and they don't know how DNA spaces could potentially help them, you know, what would your advice be? Where should they go first? Uh, simple website, dnaspaces.cisco.com. And, and you'll find everything uh, that, that you need on there. Uh, there's a form you could fill out uh, and that will put you directly in touch with the appropriate specialists. We have a worldwide specialist team uh, and uh, more than more than happy to help and engage in those conversations. And ha- have you got any like unique case studies or has there been anything like really interesting that you've come across where we've utilised DNA spaces and you've thought that's a really cool idea or I don't know, wh- where the return has been really interesting or unique or I don't know if you've got an example like that. Yeah, so I mean Spaces does an awful lot of things and, and I'm maybe going to tangent a little bit because it's such a broad portfolio of sort of cloud and data outcomes that, that we can deliver on and you know we were talking very specifically around hybrid work but another thing that we also have been doing for an awfully long time is uh, something uh, talking about onboarding, uh, next generation onboarding, so getting people onto Wi-Fi networks. Um, and particularly in consumer spaces. And so there's a large national supermarket in a country that I won't name that are currently trialing um, uh, our software developer kit and building that into their mobile app. So as a supermarket customer, if you have that app, you're going to get offers and, you know, all the membership details, and you scan your loyalty card and all that kind of stuff, right? And so you'll have the app. Well, what we've developed is the ability to put this little bit of code into that app so that when you walk into that supermarket, you're auto-joined onto that onto the Wi-Fi network because you know what it's like when you go into a hotel right now and you you sort of you hit the SSID, you find the network, and then a splash page comes up and you probably have to type some stuff in and you have to get yourself on. It's it's a, it's a real speed bump. So we've developed this technology um, based on open roaming as a standard, uh, which was also a Cisco invention that, that has now been um, sort of given out to the public domain. Uh, and, and this bit of technology in the app allows every shopper that has the app on their phone just to automatically join the network. And that's great for lots of different reasons, because now we are on that supermarkets network. But... Uh, and, and, of course, there's a whole ton of experiences that can be delivered there. But if you think about it from a business perspective, and this blew my mind, right, <laughs> back to uh, uh, the, the previous topic, um, the CEO of the supermarket was saying, well, look, you know, supermarkets probably operate on a margin of, say, 3 to 4% on groceries. It's pretty tight. However, there is certain places in the supermarket where there are items that are a much higher margin. And actually... One of those is toiletries. So if we can just, this one simple ask from that CEO was, while a customer is walking past the toiletries arm, if we could send an engagement, a pop-up on the phone to say, hey, there's an offer on toiletries, and incentivize those folk to walk down that aisle, and all they need to do is buy one item from the toiletry aisle, that would change the entire margin profile of their business. It's like a significant impact to you know the the way that they're operating. So you know th- there's a lot of possibilities there, and um, yeah, the, now retail obviously dropped off quite a bit with COVID, coming back strength to strength, and you're seeing technology you know increase and 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 being taken up within those sectors. You, you mentioned stadiums. I spent an awful lot of time at Cisco working in sports and entertainment. 
Um, and again, we're seeing you know those properties come back and you know want to enable those smart experiences. And they always talked about doing it before, but again, I think there's an impetus now because we've understood what it's like not to be there. Uh, and in order to keep these environments safe and you know more interactive and so on, technology is going to play a big part in that. Yeah, and the open roaming is huge because I love that as a consumer, not having to type it all in. Half the time you just give up anyway, but then that means that you know businesses don't have the data about who's visiting, what kind of age bracket they're in. Because I would just give up; I wouldn't fill out the form because you can, yeah. you know, you can spend your whole life if you were going to, you know, a restaurant, and then you were going on to a pub, and then you were going on to there. You just you give up and you're like, oh, never mind. Whereas you know they're actually getting data from having the open roaming as well, so it is, yeah. you know, tangible so win-win, for them. Right? Exactly. Win, win, for the, win for the consumer. So you're getting experiences and freebies and offers and you know ease of use and and for the business, well, it's driving revenues and and uh, you know help, helping profitability. So it's good for everyone. A change of change of direction a wee bit, but tell us a little bit about this story or what you're doing with bees right now. <laughs> okay, spaces and the bees. <laughs> yeah. So there's a brilliant company in Devon um, called Beevive. Uh, so if you, I think it's bvibe.co.uk. And um, a couple of years ago, and just at the start of the pandemic, um, my my wife, she gave me a birthday present. And it was this little key ring. And when you open up the key ring, there's a little vial of sugar water in it. And it's from Bvibe. And so what, what you do with this key ring is when you find a tired bee, like, you know, on the ground, and often if you've seen bumblebees just sort of walking around a bit sluggishly, that's because they don't have enough sugar. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, I absolutely love gardening. And when my wife and I are out in the garden, she'd be like, Tina, what are you doing? And I'm just saving a bee. <laughs> I'm constantly saving bees. <laughs> so, you know, this caring was kind of, you know, a token uh, gesture for that. Um, and, you know, we kind of th- thought, well, hang on a second. You know, we're launching Cisco Smart Workspaces and we're only just as humans understanding how important it is that, you know, air quality is monitored and that we have healthy and safe environments. I mean, look at bees and what they do with their, with their beehives. I mean, they have an innate ability to regulate air, air quality and temperature and humidity in the hives themselves. Um, you know, they, uh, they, they send out these sort of innovator bees or searcher bees, and when they find a source of food, they come back, and I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but they do a waggle dance. And so this waggle dance is a dance that literally tells all the other bees that are watching <laughs> exactly how to get to that source of food. So it'll be, you know, 13 degrees east, <laughs> you know, this many meters that direction, turn a corner, whatever. Like, but the, the dance is so intricate that they just have to do that waggle dance once and then all the bees that have watched the waggle dance know exactly where to go. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the point is the amount of stuff that you can learn from bees and, of course, you know, how important that they are, um, you know, for, for our food sources and, and for the environment in general. We kind of, we just thought, look, there's a really natural synergy going here, on here. There's, um, you know, a, 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 a science called biomimicry, and we really are learning a lot from, you know, nature where we're, we're able to mimic the fact that you know, bees can regulate air quality and, and understand that's important. Hey, we're already just getting there. And, of course, this good smart workspaces can. So, you know, we've built a linkage in that and we're, we're going to, um, uh, you know, start on a campaign probably in about June timeframe. Uh, and we've got thousands of these little key rings that we're going to be handing out. 
Now, I'm, I'm currently wearing a Cisco hoodie, and that's normal sort of giveaways for corporate, like swag and that kind of thing. And I just thought, you know what, why should we be funding the standard, you know, corporate kind of, you know, hoodies and hats and backpacks and all these pens or whatever that, that are branded? Why don't we fund something that we can give out to people and every single person that receives that keyring has the ability to go and save bees, you know, <laughs> one by one uh, as you're out in walks and, and you see that. And so hopefully we'll get the message out. Um, drive some sustainability awareness about bees because, as you can hear, it's a, a bit of a passionate topic of mine. Um, and, and you know, and also learn an awful lot, you know, around what we should be doing in our new, uh, in our offices and uh, our workspaces as we start to go back into them in in this hybrid work work environment. I love that. I have to say, first of all, can your wife please give my husband some tips on how to pick such a personal gift? Like that is. I was so going to say that. I was like, can we just start off with that's a very thoughtful <laughs> gift. Such a thoughtful gift. My husband would never think of that. So kudos to your wife, Tina. Um, but second of all, I used to work in the social enterprise world before joining the technology world. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's such a good idea. And I say that with my social enterprise hat on. If big corporates like us can support the likes of sustainability businesses who are have a mission, a social mission of some sort, and we can support them in that way with our swag and our merch. I'm all for that. I think that's such a great idea. And to be able to tie it in so well with the mission that we have at, with Cisco and DNA Spaces is just such a powerful story. Like I'm so impressed by it. I think it's such a good idea. <laughs> and I would love oh, well, one. So please make sure that I, I was going to say, we'll, we'll get you a clearing. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Rosie. Don't forget about me. (laughs) No, it's it is uh, because bees are just so important to our whole ecosystem, and then that kind of relates so well to DNA spaces. So you found a good tie-in. I like it. You did, and I think that's a great way to wrap up. So. Tina, it has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I've learned so much. Um, I always knew about the importance of our devices and the sensors, but I never really knew how it all tied into all these other aspects of Cisco. So I just think it's so important that us at Cisco, but everyone outside of Cisco actually understands all this amazing technology that we have. So it's been a pleasure. You've told so many amazing stories. um, And yeah, it's been so insightful learning about DNA spaces. So thank you so much. And we know that you're all- Thank you very much for having me. You're off on holiday now for a couple of weeks, so we hope you have a fab time, whatever you get up to in your garden. Um, thank you. And yeah, thank you so much. Cool. You're gonna go out there and save a few bees. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you, Tina. <laughs> Cheers. So that's a wrap on this month's TikTok. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Cisco UKI podcast to make sure you keep up to date with all the latest episode releases. And reach out to Rosie and I at ukipodcast at cisco.com to share your suggestions and feedback. See you next time.